0: Today's message is called The Infinite Game. Um, You know, a, a week ago, actually, we were all planning on having our Christmas service on the 19th and at Hope Midtown, and we were planning, and uh, throughout the day on Saturday, I was getting text messages from pastors all over the city, just asking the question, hey, with Omicron going uh, crazy right now, and with uh, these infections really happening everywhere, and more and more people that we knew were either getting sick or were being exposed to being sick, um, all these pastors were throwing around text messages, um, asking, like, what are are we going to do? Is this and, and we ended up making the call to cancel our service out of safety precautions and due to a number of our people who had been exposed to people who had gotten COVID-19 or were around people with COVID-19. And, you know, that moment when we canceled the service and then we sent out notices on that Saturday night, it felt eerily similar to back in March of 2020. It was like there was this moment of just kind of like, oh, my goodness, this sense of dread. Like, are we back where we once were back in March? And if any of you were around in New York City in March 2020, you know how horrific and painful and agonizing that time was, the isolation. Now, of course, we're way past March 2020, but that feeling of like, gosh, are we, you know, with vaccination rates Um, Being higher in New York City, like there was this belief that somehow the worst was behind us. And there was just this moment on Saturday night where I just felt really depleted and sad and anguishing um, because it, it felt so similar to March 2020. And, you know, as as I was wrestling with kind of those feelings of desolation, I I was actually thinking about uh, this passage and uh, and actually about this book and a book called The Infinite Game. And first, really the passage, I mean, let's read together. Look at what the the book of Ecclesiastes, which was written by, it's part of the wisdom literature of the Hebrew scriptures. And a person named Koheleth is this wisdom person who's teaching. And one of the things in Ecclesiastes chapter three, it's there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. And he goes on and on and he talks about a time to do this and a time to do that. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. In other words, the wisdom literature What Koheleth is talking about is he talks about how there are ebbs and flows in life. There are ups and downs, there are hills and valleys. And it reminded me of this book that was recently published by this guy named Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek, of course, he wrote the book uh, Start With Why, and he's kind of a business management uh, thinker and author. And in his book, The Infinite Game, he actually is taking this idea of the infinite game from a further, uh, an author previously that had written about finite games versus infinite games. And one of the things that he writes about, uh, Simon Sinek does, about a finite game. Finite games are like chess or like uh, football or basketball or baseball, it's the sports that we often know. And finite games, they're finite because there's an endpoint. And at that endpoint, the buzzer sounds or the last run is scored, or we've reached whatever goal we've reached. And at that finite game, right, there's checkmate and the game is finished. And one of the things he writes about is there's a difference between having a finite game mindset and having an infinite game mindset. Now, one of the things he says is that finite game mindsets, what they end up doing is they end up uh, creating this sense of like, if we reach that goal, then we're finished. But an infinite game, especially when it relates to business practices or organizations or even politics. And I would actually say of life itself. He says, if people can actually approach life with a mindset of an infinite game, that this game, it's not like once we've reached our goal, we've reached everything. And then from that point on, it's all downhill. Or from that point on, we can just kind of rest on our laurels and everything is finished. Instead, what he talks about is if you have an infinite game mindset, that there's ebbs and flows to life, that it continues on, and that what's supposed to be built in every single one of us is a certain kind of resilience and innovation capacity. A way of approaching the world where if we've approached it with this infinite game mindset, then what really what happens is we uh, become far more sturdy, more malleable, more resilient, and we end up building something that lasts into infinity or, you know, eternity, this idea of resilience and innovation. And he says that whenever organizations or people can adopt that kind of mentality, it actually has uh, an incredible amount of life lessons to teach us about life in general. Now, this relates to this passage in Ecclesiastes, because again, he talks about the ebbs and flows of life. Now, here's the thing, looking back on last Saturday, I was kind of like, oh my goodness, we're back. And I felt really defeated. And now if I had a finite game mentality about it, then it's basically like, okay, I'm defeated. Of course, we've reached the end. I should just quit right now. This church thing, this faith thing is just not worth it. But yet this infinite game mentality, what it does is it teaches us to start thinking and looking for something more for realizing that this is not the first pandemic that human history has told us has gone through and it won't be the last and the setback of last saturday and the omicron you know variant it's not the first variant or difficulty or stumbling block in this whole pandemic. I mean, isn't it true? Like sometimes it feels like it's getting better. And sometimes it feels like, and anyone who tries to predict the future really at the end of the day, none of us can predict the future. All we can say is it's full of these twists and turns. And I want to have the kind of resilience, the kind of mindset where once I've been able to pass through whatever ebbs and flows might come in life, there's a sturdiness, there's a resilience that has grown inside of me. Now, here's what happens if I have a finite game mindset and maybe some of us, that's what we carry. Like, and it really comes to the fore whenever disappointments come or whenever we've reached that thing that we thought when we reach that thing, then life will get better. Whenever we come to life with that finite game kind of mindset, it ends up disappointing us. Uh, There's a guy named Deion Sanders, who was one of the best athletes in the 90s, he was both a professional football and a professional basketball player. And there was actually this article that I remember coming by and it, it talks about Deion Sanders, how he speaks about himself after he won the Super Bowl. So basically him and his team won the Super Bowl. They had reached the pinnacle of their profession. Look at, look at what uh, this article wrote. It says, Deion Sanders knew all about success. He had won two Super Bowls and appeared in a World Series. He'd become a father, made a lot of money, even released an album. <laughs> I like how that last part was added in. Even released an album, everyone. Yet in 1997, at the prime of it all, he drove his car off a cliff ready to die his marriage to his first wife, Carolyn Chambers, and mother of his two oldest children, Dion Jr. and Deandra, was ending. I was going through the trials and tribulations of life. I was pretty much running on fumes, he said. I was empty, no peace, no joy, losing hope with the progression of everything. Sanders recounted his suicide attempt in his autobiography, Power, Money, and Sex, how success almost ruined my life. Amazingly, he survived what he said was a 30 to 40-foot drop without any significant injuries. He decided his life was worth living. I finally just got on my knees and gave it all to the Lord, Sanders said. Here's what, what, in other words, what I think Sanders was experiencing, what he was experiencing was this finite game mindset, man, I've achieved everything in this life that I can achieve. I've achieved fame, success, Super Bowls. I've just won, you know, the pinnacle of my career. And yet is that all that life is about? Now here's the thing. We may not know professional athletes. You yourself may not be a professional athlete, uh, but all of us know the idea of like when you when you feel like you've you've reached that thing where that you've got into that school, you've gotten that job, you've gotten that promotion or whatever else, and then there comes that sinking feeling like oh man, this isn't what I thought it was. Have you ever been there before? Right? Like you think as a Knicks fan, like we just signed Kemba Walker. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, whatever whatever it might be, like you feel like you okay, we just got over this hurdle. Kemba played really great on Christmas Day, by the way. But you know, you just feel like oh, if I just that's a finite game mindset. It's this idea that once I reach this or that, then things will be better or things will be solved. And check out what the author of Ecclesiastes, what he writes in this wisdom literature, though. He says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to heal, and a time to heal. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And look at what the wisdom literature writes. He puts, He has also set eternity in the human heart.
1: What does that mean? Set eternity in the human heart? It's this infinite game.
0: He's made it so that the human heart, no matter how many finite games we play, no matter how much we try to reach whatever pinnacle we might want to reach, there's something eternal, this longing that he has set within each one of us. Now, what is this kind of eternal, infinite longing? What's the eternal, infinite longing, the things that will last? And now Cynic will say that, of course, it's the character that's built within us. It's the resilience. It's the capacity to, to ebb, to go with the ebbs and flows of life and to do so with great character and fortitude. Here's essentially what setting eternity in our hearts might look like. You see, what you do matters. What you do, what you accomplish, what you succeed in, what you win. But who you are and whom you journey with matters more. Again, this is not to discount finite games. This is not to discount your career. This is not to discount whatever goals you had in life. Because of course, life is a series of these goals that we try to reach. But it's to say what you do matters, but who you are and whom you journey with matters more. And as we end this year, one of the questions that I wanted to pose to you and to me
1: is, who are you? And who are you journeying with?
0: And as we look back, are are you, has the the substance of your character and who you've become, is it someone that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the spirit? Is it someone who's had eternity in your heart where the kind of character that's being shaped in you, especially when difficulty comes? especially when you did not get that promotion, when you did not get that relationship, when you were in the dumps. You know, what is the substance of your character and who are you journeying with? What you do matters, it does, but who you are and whom you journey with matters more. Now, some of you might be thinking like, Drew, man, this is a real guilt trip kind of sermon. I can't believe you're laying on this guilt so thick at the end of the year. You're asking us to evaluate our character. Of course, we have everything to improve upon. But moreover, this whole infinite game mindset, if all it does, it goes up and down and it never ends, it just keeps going into infinity, then what's the point of all of this? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because here's what's so st- interesting about that, that, that idea or even that question. If it's an infinite game, then what's the end game of all of this? And Why in the world am I doing what I'm doing? Why can't I just pursue my hedonistic lusts and pleasures and do everything out of selfish ambition? Why can't I just pursue that? Well, that same question is the question that uh, the book of Ecclesiastes addresses. That's why it was written. See, Koheleth, uh, or the wisdom literature, the wisdom person who's saying all these things about there's time for everything, but God has set eternity into our hearts. He actually asks that same question, like, what are the things that I'm running after? And I've had all this success, I've gained all this stuff. Isn't all of this meaningless? I mean, that's the question that's often asked throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And yet here's what we know and believe. And here's a conclusion that uh, Koheleth or the author of Ecclesiastes comes to. It's basically he has set eternity in our hearts. In other words, this is why faith matters. See, cause here's what faith means. Faith means that my, my trust and my purpose in life, it's not built on things that are uh, finite, things that are tangible. See, by very definition, eternity and infinity and transcendence, they all point to a higher power, a higher calling. Now, here's what we believe as Christians, that higher power and that higher calling is a God that we can know and that we can have faith in. Because we can know this God and have faith in this God. God, and and this is the whole story of Christmas, the whole story of Christmas is that this transcendent God who is the creator of the universe, who is infinity, who is transcendent, who is eternal. This God would actually enter our finite world and come close, take on flesh, and come and meet us. So that his name, Emmanuel, would be God with us, with you, with me, in our lives, our everyday lives, in the midst of finite games, infinite games. He is a God who is with us, and he is a God who continues to beckon us to live a life for him. Now, will there be a day when all striving, pain, sorrow, cease? The scriptures tell us, yes, there will. Because again, if we put our faith in this kind of God and we live for eternity, even as times pass, we've got this unending, undying kind of hope. Check out what the Apostle Paul writes. Look at what he writes in the book of Philippians. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons, put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteous, based on the law, faultless. Basically what Paul is basically saying now, some of this might sound very archaic and you have no idea what's he trying to say. He's basically saying, I've got the resume of resumes. I've got the CV of CVs. I've got the best LinkedIn profile. There is but look at what he says. Once he makes this churn of living this finite game that was out for simply these rudimentary accomplishments, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him and have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, look at what else he writes. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And now uh, here's here's the part that I want you to catch. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. In other words, we still live in this in between world or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He, in other words, he recognizes that there's, a, there's an infinite game. There's this eternal goal. And one day his life, His life, his very life will die, but he will live forever. And in doing so, there's another part of Philippians where he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So even death itself does not shake him or rattle him. He's someone that has this resilience of spirit that even in life or in death, I can do all of this because of a faith in a transcendent eternal God the same longing for God, that whether you're a Christian or you're not, that all of us want or hope for, or are looking for, for meaning and purpose and all of that. You know, one of the things that my therapist often says to me is, and he reminds me to say this over and over again to myself, he says, progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. Because honestly, I like when I get disappointed, I want things to be perfect. I want things to end with a win, with a Super Bowl, with a championship, with everything up and to the right. And yet, I have to be reminded. And really, what Paul is talking about in his letter to the Philippians is basically like, what does it look like for us to have a, a life of progress, not perfection? We're constantly leaning into faith trying to have the substance of our character and the people that we journey with. In other words, the things that are eternal, have those things be shaped by a God who created the universe and a God who in life we win and in death we win. And if that's the case, then we can be a, live a life of progress and not perfection. So here's what I'd like for us to do just as we close here. I'd like for us, uh, just to, if we could put these questions up, As you reflect on this past year, what areas of your life would you like to surrender to God? Maybe this was a past year where you really succumbed, especially when it came to when you were going through stressful moments or difficult moments. You succumbed to your own addictive behaviors or there were bad habits that you developed Or there were things that you were longing for where disappointment came, or you ended up getting that promotion or getting that relationship, or your kid got into that school, whatever it might be. Like, what would you like just to, to say before God, God, I want what's eternal to matter.
1: Would you just surrender that to God? What do you need to surrender? Is it your family? Is it the future for your kids? Is it your relationships? Is it your finances? Second question is like, it. as you reflect on this past year, what areas of your life would you like to make
0: progress in to become the kind of person God has called you to be? Now, not progress in terms of this striving, like, you're right, Drew, I need to be better, I need to, right, because this is the beautiful thing about the good news of Jesus, it's a grace story, a gospel story, it's a, you don't have to earn it kind of story, it's just out of the ways that God has changed you, and now you realize, yeah, I do want to make progress in this area to become more like you, Jesus what is it? Is it in your patience? Is it in generosity? Is it in being a person of integrity?
1: Like someone who's really truthful with your words, or maybe it's with your body. Here's what I would
0: like for you to do. If you're so willing, if you could just drop in the chat, what would you like to surrender
1: to God? Just drop it in the chat. Is it your future? Is it your present? Is it your anger? Is it your lusts? Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Han. Thanks, Gloria. Thanks, Joy. Thank you, Jane Thanks, Gabrielle. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Grace. Now I imagine that the
0: question around progress is very similar to the one around surrender. And so I won't ask people to drop those in the chat, but uh, thank you for everyone just as you've,
1: yeah, continued to surrender. I'm gonna pray for us just to close our time together. And I wanna pray this over you,
0: like wherever you are, just as we close this year, and as you, as you ponder, what does it mean to play the infinite game, not just the finite game? I should say not to play, but to live the infinite game. That what you do matters, but who you are and whom you journey with, it matters more.
1: To come back to the things that are really the substance of what's eternal.